The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Welcome to a good football show. My name is Pat Corain. Today we are going to be diving deep into the 2022 wide receiver class, the rookie class. And to do that, I'm joined by Matthew Friedman of Fantasy Pros, Davis Maddock, Sports Grid, Anthony Miko of Establish the Run. Guys, how's it going? So good. It's going great. Uh, today it's not going to be a good football show. It's going to be a great football show. By the way, I have to say, if Davis is making fun of my Twitter handle, Matt F. The Oracle, why can't we make fun of Amixta with his we Twitter can. handle? Come on. We can. <laughs> no, we absolutely can. Bad branding by you guys. Corinne and I got the branding correct. Well, I just want to point out. <laughs> I actually kind of like the Matt F. The Oracle. I mean, it's it's a, it's a, a deep cut at this point, referencing a league episode from what 10 years ago but like 13 but a pretty amazing reference i've made it i've made for him far without actually like most people don't even make fun of me they don't even stop to make fun of me so i think i the bar i made i made the bar so low that it's just not worth it for people to address it so thank you for addressing it so it could get the uh, airtime that it needs <laughs> see i've sometimes thought that i i screwed up the branding with a name like Karain. no one knows how to spell Karain when they first hear it so if i had something you know that just kind of flipped davis maddock is easier no one's gonna Karain, misspell that stuff. you you gotta talk to the powers that be at nbc sports why do they not have you with the blue check mark i that would be up to me i haven't i haven't applied for it you're falling behind brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> I don't know. I feel like uh, Denny doesn't have it. You know, it's kind of a kind <laughs> you of wear a it thing as a badge here. of honor. <laughs> yeah, figure uh, figure I'll uh, I'll kind of keep that up. We are uh, going to be diving into the wide receiver class as I mentioned, and we're going to be going in the order of grinding the mocks expected draft position that was updated a couple days ago, and so it should be fairly in line with what you know the general consensus is on where these wide receivers will be selected. We've got the top 10 guys in terms of expected draft position that we're going through. And then hopefully we'll have enough time for some bonus guys that didn't quite make the top 10. Roughly, this is the guys who look like they have pretty good chances of being selected in the first two rounds. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on is if you think this draft position is, you know, kind of in line with your expectations, or you think maybe these guys could go a bit higher or lower than Grinding the Mox has. And for those who don't know, Grinding the Mox free site that uh, just aggregates mock draft data. So pretty useful for this type of exercise. But let's go ahead and get started uh, with Garrett Wilson. He has the top 
draft position expectation with a 14.6 average expected draft position. Friedman, I'll kind of kick it over to you. What do you what do you like about Wilson? What do you view him as in terms of like is he is he the top wide receiver in this class? Uh, if so, why? If if not, uh, why? One not? thing that's interesting about Wilson is that going to the mock drafts, even last year, like the distant mock drafts, uh, looking at this class, Wilson already then was one of the top two wide receivers, and a lot of mocks he was already the number one receiver, and that was before he really had a big breakout season. Uh, and so like the, the market has been on him for a while and he definitely delivered in this past year, you know, a big season, uh, you know, over 1100 yards from scrimmage, 13 touchdowns in 11 games. Uh, he's not a, like a massive producer as a runner, but he, you know, he did have 76 yards and a rushing touchdown on four carries. You do like to see the guys who have that well-rounded skill set. And then he did it at the combine, even though he's not a big guy. And like, I'll just say, I have the preference for the big guys. Like I still have that bias. He's not a big guy, but he did blaze the 40 time with the four threes. So he has a lot of the things that you like entering the NFL uh, at a young age after just three years in college. So he checks a lot of the boxes. And I do think that with what he showed at the combine, what he showed as a junior, he has a very good chance of going in the top. I wouldn't say top 10, but top, top half, top half of the, the first round. Uh, I, I think it's very close personally between uh, him and Traylon Burks for dynasty in terms of wide receiver one, but I do have him as the first wide receiver going off the board. Amico, I, I feel like he does check a lot of the boxes analytically. He doesn't like crush the production production metrics, but do you agree? He basically kind of checks every box. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, there's no hole that I, that I'm obviously looking at and saying like, Oh, like this is a problem. I mean, I, like Friedman said, like I think in an ideal world, like you prefer guys to to be as big as possible, as fast as possible. I mean, he's really fast, but he's not that big. I mean, I guess that's a knock, but like his pro- he weighs five more pounds than Wandale. Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> old, we, we, we can't even talk about him right now. I I just you know the thing with Wilson is he did he was able to produce with a lot of talent around him, right? Like he started his career with Jamison Williams there, obviously Chris Olave is there. Um, you know, they have a true sophomore who's probably going to be the top receiver next year, or at least like one of the top three guys off the board next year. So he's been able to produce with a lot of talent around him. And I think that that, that tells you that like this profile could look a lot better than it does. And it's already really good. Yeah. I mean, uh, Jameson Williams literally transferred from this program. Davis, how much, how much are you factoring that in just the really like off the charts level of target competition that he had? I mean, the thing about Garrett Wilson for me is that he's just never going to be my number one wide receiver in this class when Traylon Burks is right there. And I know that Wilson had a good combine and Burks had like an adequate combine. I mean, his 40 time was fine. His weight was fine. And I guess he did um, reportedly do better at all the other stuff at his pro day, jumped higher, jumped further, all that stuff. So if you want to take those numbers, um, you know, that that's a little bit better for him, but I mean, Six foot, one eighty three. I it's it's like that that style of player is more in vogue now. But I just I can't I can't really shake my literally at this point decade old biases that someone like Traylon Burks is and and especially the way Traylon Burks I anticipate him being used. Like I think whoever drafts him probably will just stick him in the slot right away while he figures out the NFL. You know it, it'll. It, I I think I was talking to Kevin Cole. I can't I can't say for sure. 
But yeah, it was Kevin Cole for sure. And he was looking at PFF stuff when guys were getting pressed. And Burks actually did really well in the situations when he was pressed at Arkansas. So that says to me that if I'm I'm bre- I'm going to break the tie anyway because Burks is bigger, basically. Well, it's interesting because Burks. We'll get to Burks, but he's actually not the number two wide receiver by expected draft position. That's Drake London. Yeah, London's another big wide receiver and a guy who like he's too big though. Okay, because I was worried he was too skinny. He he was listed at at two ten, but then he weighed in at the combine at two nineteen. So you know he's like six uh, four. So that two nineteen makes me feel a lot better about him compared to to two ten, where there's not many guys who have played in the NFL at kind of you know a six four two ten type of frame. So you're are you not is in on him, Davis? Because he's too big. This <laughs> is incredible. Well, it's it's a. <laughs> Probably the biggest the biggest red flag of me to all time is when a wide receiver does not run their 40 at the combine for a non-medical reason. Like if a guy's not like, oh, I, I, I like what Isaiah Spiller said, he tore his abductor muscle and Devonta Smith gave some fake medical reason why he didn't run. But when it, when a guy doesn't provide a medical reason for not running at the combine, that is a red flag to me. And and. London also clearly is going to play a position that like doesn't really exist in the NFL anymore. Like how many, how many guys play that flanker position where their entire job is to stick up against the boundary and catch pass, like catch contested passes. Like NFL offensive coordinators don't run those plays anymore. They don't design plays that way. I have to step in on it. Yeah. Because I just, good. yeah, he loves Drake. London. Love Drake London. Like I, oh, first of all, first of all, he did, he did it fracture his ankle at the end of the season yeah he had a medical reason didn't he? <laughs> he's, he's he's all right he's well then i'm then, then 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 i'm i'm wrong <laughs> but i mean i thought pat the, the weight thing definitely was the one thing i was worried about because the tall skinny guys worry me just from a bmi perspective but yeah john john baldwin says in. yeah that so like again though we talk about a guy with like pretty decent target competition like Michael Pittman, Amon Ross St. Brown, like he played with these guys and he managed to produce basketball guy, which I know we usually reserve for the tight ends, but his first, his first year focusing just on football was the season. And I think that that, to me, that, that adds a little bit to, to what we may see in the future, just because, I mean, he's not working out the same muscle groups as a basketball player, as he was a football player. And, and now he gets to focus just on football. I do think that that matters. And he did have a great season this year. I mean, receiving yards per team pass attempt over three, 42% dominator, like really crushed. And, and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the comparable players that he comes up with for me, uh, you know, based on his weight and a bunch of the production stuff. And there's like no busts. Like like Michael Floyd is like mm-hmm. the, the, the only bust on the list for me, really, out of like his top 10 comps. And I don't know, like you get you get the A.J. Browns, you get the Mike Evans, you get those guys on the list. And, and I those are the guys for me where we're talking about true alpha, you know, WR1s in fantasy, WR1s in dynasty, like that's what London looks like to me. I I, I think I'm haunted by the ghost of JJ Arthega Whiteside, to be honest, like a, like a big Pac-12 wide receiver who scored a bunch <laughs> of touchdowns and and I'm all in and then they just they they yeah. don't play yeah, it's not great. He does look a little more like uh Josh Gordon at at uh 219, which is which is enticing. Right. On the basketball that's, note Normally we don't care. He did have a 5:40 dunk, which I think is Very something. Yeah, that, especially because we don't yet have measurables, so they might run it as pro day. But Freeman, I wanted to ask, like, 
he only played eight games in his final season, and that final season is like really the only reason we're excited about him. Does that matter at all? It probably should matter a little bit, but for me, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm just going to be the optimist on him. And I, I do take Davis's point about sort of stylistically, when you watch him play, there might be some concerns. But like one, I'm not a film guy. I'm not going to be, you know, like pretending to be a film guy. And then two, like I, I remind, he reminds me of Mike Williams. Like I feel like he can play mm. sort of, that's yeah, I feel like he can yeah. play that sort of role in the NFL where even if he's kind of limited in how he's used, I, I still think he can dominate in that way. And he's young. He's entering the NFL, uh, you know, after three years. I thought he did fairly well as a freshman, uh, given the target competition that he had. So I'm encouraged, especially when he's going to have that that first round draft capital. Like, I think it's a lock that he goes in the top 24. So I'm going to be in on Drake London, not as much as I'm in on Traylon Burks, but I still like Drake London quite a bit. I'm just, but I am assuming he's going to be a tad slower than people want him to be. Yeah, I think that's because the thing that worries me a little bit about about that is he had a lot of production on screen passes, and it's like you know, it's like contested catch and screen pass, and when especially when I thought he was two ten, I was like, I don't know if he's going to be able to do either at the NFL level. Now I feel better about his contested catch ability, but it's still, you know, I don't know if he's going to be getting used on a ton of like manufactured yards after catch stuff, you know, at the shallow level. So who makes more sense at 11 for the commies, Garrett Wilson or Drake London? Cause they're taking a wide receiver. I I'd make them like minus minus one fifty to take a wide receiver at 11. I'll, I'll take, it. I think Wilson makes more sense. Cause he have the deep threat already. And his old college teammate, right? McLaurin. I guess Do they overlap. I don't think they overlap. I don't. Maybe, yeah, they, they might not. Have, but they've overlapped. You know, I but Buck, I love though. You get it. I don't know. I I would go honestly with Traylon Burks. I mean, I'm just gonna you know like I'm gonna take a shot on the guy who feels like he could be AJ Brown. But that's that's just me and my pigheadedness. But if it's between Drake and Garrett Wilson, I would probably go Garrett Wilson because I think he complements. Uh, a little bit more what they have in McLaurin. All right, Davis, give us the rundown on Traylon Burks, who's not too small. He's not too big. He's just the right size. He's he's just right. So Traylon Burks is the guy that the dynasty nerds like the most. I mean, he was phenomenal his final season at Arkansas. Probably most importantly, though, he played as a you know a, a true freshman, a 19 year old at um at Arkansas. Got, you know, got on the field. I guess. His breakout season was age 20, not uh, age, age. well, Amico, is, is he a true 20-year-old breakout, or do you have him as a as a 21-year-old? Uh, I have him breaking out in year two, so. Yeah. We grind the decimals here, so. <laughs> and he's 6'2", 225, played in the slot a lot at Arkansas. They used him in a lot of different ways. Like, Karen and I were talking about this the other day, that even though he played out of the slot, his average depth of target was still fine his yards per route run, like all that stuff was still good. Um, and, and, and really one of those situations, not, not as insane as like a Des Bryant or Calvin Johnson or whatever, but just one of those situations where he's the only, you know, truly the only NFL caliber skill position player on that offense that he played with. And there was still nothing the defenses could do with him. He did have, I mean, just, you, you just have to say he did have a suboptimal combine. He wasn't quite as fast as expected with, wasn't quite as fast as expected with like the fastest combine of all time. Like something was going on with, uh, with, with the guns there. And 
you know, his, his, like, uh, his, um, his jumps and like his explosion metrics were not great at the combine better at the pro day. But I think assuming that he goes, I mean, if he goes at 24 to the Cowboys, I mean, he's just going to be, he's going to be the yeah, one one in, in these dynasty leagues for sure. Freeman, you mentioned, uh, AJ Brown, which I feel like is the very exciting upside comp for, for Burks. Are you worried about like the explosion numbers? I've, I learned about the flying 20, which is the last 20 yards of the 40-yard dash, where apparently Burks was just fine in. So, you know, once he gets up to speed, he's there. But is he going to have that A.J. Brown-like ability to generate yards after catch if it takes him a bit to get up to speed? I will be optimistic and say he he does. Like, he does have that ability. Uh, again, I'm not like an expert tape grinder. So, like, I, I don't feel like I'm going to be able to – I'm not going to be able to, like, break down the nuances of, like, if he's used in this way – then he has a lot of yak capability. But just based on the numbers, I, I think he has it. And uh, a dude who dominates in the SEC two years in a row uh, before he's a senior, I mean, you have to be pretty enthusiastic about that guy, especially when he's big. And like the rushing production is something that really intrigues. Because I don't think he's really going to be used in that way in the NFL. But the fact that the team was like, okay, we've got to get the ball to this guy in any manner that we can. Uh, he had pretty decent rushing production in his sophomore and junior mm -hmm. year. And as a freshman, he was actually a pretty good return man as a big guy. Like that is a Des Bryant-esque type of thing. So I am pretty enthusiastic about what we see out of him. And, and by the way, to, to Davis's point about something was off about this combine uh, with the, the times, he absolutely is right. This is the first year in Indianapolis that they've done the combine on the new turf. So I do think that something, you know, like was happening, like the turf is now faster in Indianapolis than it was when they had the old turf. So there is something there to like the times were off. Amico, I mentioned that Wilson kind of checks all the boxes, but doesn't like crush them. Burks crushes them. How much does that matter to you that he's just like smashing all of the advanced metric stuff? I mean, it matters a lot. And, and I think that like ceiling wise, he probably has the highest ceiling out of, out of all these receivers. The, the, the thing for me is that like the floor is lower than like a, than a couple of these other guys to me too. You know, like I, I want to be excited. I want to be optimism guy. I still really like Traylon Burks and he still ranks really high, highly for me, but it's like, when you see the athletic testing and it's not, you know, four fours when it's four fives, and, and I'm not even saying it, it ever, we ever thought it would be four fours. When you see like the low agility and the low jumps, then you're like, okay, like it wouldn't completely shock me if he was Nikhil Harry. Like it wouldn't completely shock me oh, man. if he was Why JJ. JJ right side. Like it wouldn't completely shock me. I don't think that that's, that's what's going to happen, but like it is there, like in the range versus, you know, maybe like a Garrett Wilson. Like I, I just obviously wouldn't really expect that to be the case. So, um, I, I still really like Burks. I think everything Friedman said is, is spot on. Um, and I also would just note that, uh, in week three of this past college season, he did log, um, like the next gen, like the mile per hour, uh, 22.6 miles per hour, like high, you know, fastest guy that week. So like, I think like in the games, the speed has clearly, clearly been there, even if it wasn't, you know, in the four yard dash. I would say it's encouraging that Amico didn't mention Laquan Treadwell as one of the uh, the mm. worst case scenarios. But like I I feel like that is like the worst case scenario. Uh, like there's this Laquan Treadwell type of thing. Although like 
Treadwell did see a little something of a renaissance. Oh, like no, I could no. see a situation where Burks oh, no. maybe disappoints for, for a couple of years. Oh, no. Post, 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 post. For dynasty leagues, <laughs> yeah. it's not helpful if he's Laquan Treadwell. <laughs> that's that's a bust. Yeah. I, I just wanted to uh to put some numbers to well, my my thing's freezing, so I, I can't I can't get I have a stat on an article coming out tomorrow. Um that just shows just how dominant he was. Oh, here it is. Okay. So since 2007, Burks is one of only seven three-year wide receivers to post a 35% career yardage share. So I was talking about how he's just crushing the metrics. His yardage share of 35% is off the charts. One of only uh, seven three-year guys to do it at 210 plus pounds. The other six, Calvin Johnson, Kenny Britt, Des Bryant, Alshon Jeffrey, Allen Robinson, and Amari Cooper. Big wide receiver with this level of production is kind of like the gold standard so we love we love, love to, to see, see it. it uh yeah please don't be laquan treadwell okay let's let's move on to and i should mention uh Traylon burks is expected draft position uh here on grinding the mocks was 21.4 i think maybe he could fall to the early second maybe but it seems like he's pretty locked in as a first round pick the next guy oh god see i think this is such a bad i think this is such a bad class overall that and and the wide receiver is just such a need for a lot of these teams that have multiple first round picks like the eagles have three first round picks and they are like they want to wait breaker like they they they, mm-hmm. they want to completely redo their wide receiver room the bills need a wide receiver the cowboys need a wide receiver the chiefs need a wide receiver like i i think i think i i think we could see a lot of wide receivers go super early so i don't think he'll get to yeah this. i don't i don't think so either Especially, he, he did have better jumps at his pro day, which probably locks him into the first round. Moving to the next guy, Chris Olave. He had, uh, he's got an expected draft position here of 22.2. I think he looks locked into the first round. All the stuff about like, you know, kind of the intangible stuff is is pretty, uh, very, very bullish on him. Uh, scouts and teams seem really excited about him. But Amico, he is a four-year player. The first guy that we've talked about that is not declaring early. You've shown that that really matters. Uh, he also wasn't like that productive given that he's a four-year player, but he's dealing with all the same talented competition stuff that Garrett Wilson is dealing with Wilson. Jameson Williams was there. And of course, Jackson Smith and Jigba. So how do you view a, a bit of a complicated profile? I think with Olave. Yeah. I mean, obviously I just really wish he came out last year. I- I'd love to know why he didn't like, I'd love to know if it's just like a personal goal or if like the committee was like, Hey, you're not going to go in the first round. Like I I'd love to to get the background there. But yeah, it, it's kind of weird because honestly, like the total profile looks a lot like Garrett Wilson, like if Garrett Wilson played a fourth year, you know, and that that's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I'm not trying to like dismiss that difference, but they were like similar weight, similar speed, like similar career production. But Olave has the fourth year and and clearly took a step back, you know, behind the two other guys that you mentioned. So that that matters, and I think that that's why he's not in like this group like the group of guys we just talked about for dynasty for me um but there's there's clearly still a path where he's really productive for an nfl team it sounds like the scouts really like olave they say he's really smooth big 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 nfl loves olave yeah Yeah. which which matters i mean that's really important so i'm i might have him too low right now i think he's like our wide receiver eight or something like that at etr so i may have to move him up but the four-year thing for me is really tough to get over because typically if, if a guy goes four years, like you really want him to break out in year one or year two. 
and he didn't do that. But then there's also like the Ohio State wide receiver thing where I feel like they just never really know what they're doing. So, yeah, I, I think it's a very complicated profile because it's harder to give him credit for the talented uh, target competition point because he was the the oldest to the first furthest ahead in school. So he's the guy you really wanted to stand out. Right. And, he, and he really didn't. Uh, in some ways, it's a little Devonte Smith esque, but then he didn't have the final crushing season way Devontae Smith. He didn't he didn't win oh, the, the Heisman, Heisman season. So that little detail. <laughs> so, uh Friedman, where are you at on Olave? Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned Devontae Smith because that honestly is is the comp in my brain in terms of the profile, but without the massive final season. But I think he has a a high floor, relatively low ceiling in comparison to the other guys we've talked about before him. Like I think he will have I think he will have NFL success. I just don't think it's going to be massive NFL success. And, and what that means for fantasy is like a, you know, a few wide receiver three type of seasons, but I don't think he's going to be someone that in three years from now, we're super excited to have on our rosters. I think he could just be someone who's like decent enough. Is, is Marquise Brown a, a kind of comp well, in that I, way? Yeah. That's interesting. Some of us are so excited to own Marcus Brown. That's interesting. I I don't think he has the upside that that Brown has. Okay. Like I don't I don't think he's going to be that. Even though he's got the the four three nine speed, I still don't think he's going to be the lid lifter in the way like the game changer that Marquise Brown is. Davis, I feel like we share this bias of like Olave's not going to fail, but he's also not going to be that exciting. So we're just going to pick someone else. Yeah, like like give me give give me on maybe even in like when I'm I do my rankings, I'll have Olave ahead of Jamison Williams, but put me on the clock and it's my team. <laughs> You're taking Williams. And it, and it's my team that I have to manage and look at for the next year. Like I'm taking <laughs> Jamison Williams, like no doubt about it. Especially because Williams is gonna I mean, he's not gonna fall, but he's just gonna go later because he he's coming off of a torn ACL, which means his chance of being selected by the Bills by the Buccaneers, by the Cowboys, by the Chiefs, by all the good teams is is exponentially higher because he might go pick 28. Well, give us the rundown on Williams. Can we stop Can we stop trying to kill Gabe Davis, by the way? I, <laughs> I mean, just make, your, make your peace to... with it now. The Bills are adding either a good free agent wide receiver or a first or second round wide receiver. People just got a deal. It's they happening. play three wide receivers. I'm fine. Gabe Davis can survive if they, if they add, assuming Beasley's out of there. But Davis, go ahead and give us the rundown on Jameson Williams, who is actually next on this list. Expected draft position of 23.3. I don't know if some of these mocks are still baking in prior to the ACL tear, but I've seen recent mocks, post-combine mocks, where he's gone late first round, like around 30th, uh, even with the ACL tear that he suffered in the national championship game. Well, and it's interesting, too. He He's also very skinny. Um, he is He's 6'2", 180, which is not great. Now... Again, charitably, you could say, well, the guy's torn his ACL. He hasn't been able to lift mm-hmm. weights, hasn't been able to do his whole thing. So maybe he plays more like 190 or whatever. But, you know, you and I were talking about this like two weeks ago. And, and the cool thing about Jamison Williams is you just straight up know the role that that guy's playing in the NFL. He's coming in day one. You know what he's going to do. He's running down the field and he's going to run past the safeties. And also, he's only 20 years old. So, like, he's going to have, like, he can learn more. He can learn to do more complex things at the NFL level. But, I mean, right away, he already has a role. I don't hold the Ohio State transfer against him because look at the guys that he transferred to not play with. Alave, probably a first-round pick. Garrett Wilson, probably a first-round pick. Smith and Igba might be the best of all of them, and he's mm-hmm. going to go He's gonna go very high next year. 
And there was a, another guy who I'm forgetting who was there as well when he was there who got drafted highly. Who am I forgetting? It doesn't matter. But uh, as, as not as an, excuse, as an excuse for a lack of production, basically. He's basically, I'm just, I'm not holding it against him. And the guy absolutely dominated the SEC. I mean, every game that he played, like the, the point spread of the Georgia game moved when it was re- like, he, he was mattered to that game. Like, he's so good. And you're going to be able to get him at a discount because he tore his ACL. Freeman, I, I feel like I saw you mention on Twitter that he would would have been your wide receiver one in this class that he not tore his ACL. Yeah, I, I think so. And that's assuming that the athleticism he showed when he was a high school recruit would have translated over into the combine and he would have had a good athletic profile. Yeah, I think in that case, he probably would have been my wide receiver one. It would have been close with, with Traylon Burks, uh, but I do think Jamison Williams would have been the wide receiver one. Now, with the ACL, with uh, Wilson and Olave running in the four threes, I do have in the rankings, I have Jamison Williams at number five, but like I'm, I'm with Davis, like when the rubber like meets the road and I'm going to need to make a draft pick, I'm going to want in terms of just the guy on my team, I'm going to want Jamison Williams more than some of the guys ranked ahead of him. I have him four right now, just because I'm like already baking in that bias. I have him ahead of Olave just because I kind of, I want to be excited about Jamison Williams, but Amico, like for dynasty perspective, the thing I struggle with him is like, okay, we we have to factor in the the discount for the ACL, but that's also we know how this is going to play out most likely, right? He's going to probably play a few games as a rookie. Most likely, he's not going to be as good as he ultimately will be because it'll be less than a year removed from the ACL tear. That's going to hurt his stock in the dynasty trade market. He's probably going to be available at discount. You're going to be holding him underwater probably from what you had to pay to draft him in the rookie draft. Like that's almost a guarantee, which isn't really how you want to make bets is to make a bet where you're going to be immediately underwater on. So like, but then on the other hand, maybe people just hold him with an iron grip after the rookie year and you end up not having enough exposure to a guy you're excited about. How how do you kind of think through that? Yeah. So I, I think I I'm just really monitoring how his body like progresses because the, the pro day I know is at the, at the end of the month, I, I would really just like to see him be a little heavier. I think that's the only thing I care about. Like, obviously he's not going to work out, but like, just show me that you can put the weight back on and I'll kind of be back in. Like, cause the, the, like we said earlier, the tall skinny thing, that's not a great profile. Now he has a, a track background. Like he literally his like he sees it from a track family. You know, the speed is there. Like he's, he's raced guys when he was younger who are like in the four low four threes. Like he's, he's that fast. He's that guy. And this year he might've run, he probably ran the, run the four twos. So kind of a missed opportunity there. So I, I, I'd like to know like how he's progressing from the ACL. I mean, the national championship game is like right at the start of the year. Like it's not, it's not a complete death knell to his rookie season. Like he, he could realistically only miss like a couple games at the start of the year. And then he's being a guy that, that is used. Yeah. We just had, we just had a guy come back from a torn Achilles in six months. Anything is possible. And it hurt, and it hurt his draft stock for next year. People did not like what they saw. The the thing that I'm worried about, honestly, and I I think I talked about this with Friedman on on Twitter a couple weeks ago, like very shortly, like I'm just not really sure like what Jamison Williams is worth from a fantasy perspective, because we know that guys that look like Jamison Williams traditionally, especially if he is like a skinny guy and not like a bigger guy, like, if he is just running like those clear outs, like if he's Henry Ruggs, that's not great for fantasy. 
Like it might be really good for whatever team drafts him, but it may not be great for fantasy. And that I think along with what you mentioned in terms of like maybe being immediately underwater is what I'm trying to, to figure out. He's wide receiver four for me because I think he's really good, but I'm, I'm just trying to figure out like where it fits into like the dynasty, uh, dynasty puzzle. Could it be Will Fuller? Yeah. I mean, Will Fuller is on my list uh, uh, of guys and that's obviously a, a pretty good asset minus the injuries. So I, uh, I think that's there. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I want to be excited about him, but, but it is tough. I agree. I think the, the weight point is a really good one. Um, if he, if he balks up, who cares if you're underwater when he gets there, like you're not going to, you're not going to care that you were underwater for 12 <laughs> months when he gets there the next year. I, I mean, yeah, sure. If you, if you see the post ACL 2022 games and don't go, Oh God, what have I done? That's, I just don't want to have that feeling. I feel like I'm, this is like the football version of Davis's Bitcoin tweet. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you bought it sixty k. Don't don't look at the chart, dude. Just on a long enough on a long enough timeline, you're gonna be right. All right, that kind of wraps up the guys who have like a really good shot of going in round one. Moving on to the guys who have a good shot to get into round two. Uh, but before we do that, we're gonna take a quick break. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. One, two, three. Four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. The 2022 NBC Sports Edge Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide is available now, and we're giving our listeners a special offer. Get 22% off our draft guide and an annual Edge Plus subscription when you use promo code BASES22. We get you ready for your fantasy football draft with expert insight and tools at one low price. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus and use promo code BASES22 at checkout to save big this season. All right, Amico, another fourth-year guy here, uh, Jahan Dotson. He wasn't hyper-productive either. He's also not all that fast. He's small, and he didn't run a sub-4-4-40. He didn't have, like, a a really high ADOT, so I'm not even sure if he's an NFL deep threat. But he's got an expected draft position of 36.9. I've seen him mocked in the first round. So this is kind of the first guy in this draft class where I think the NFL is going to like him potentially a lot more than me, but I've also, I, Travis may likes him. I know there's things to like where you at on him. I'm definitely on the lower end. I mean, I, I think again, small, the speed really isn't where you want it to be, especially in a year where we're talking about the track is running fast and he's not in the four threes at his size. That's a concern for me. 
Uh, I know the scouts really like his hands, like everything that I've heard from like Lance Sterling and Dane Brugler, like they, they say, Oh, like, you know, really professional catching the ball, all that stuff. But I, I just, I just honestly, I just don't think he's going to be a first round pick. I, I don't think that that's going to happen. And if he's a second round pick with a design role, like it's just not as enticing to me. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much out. Like I, I, we're going to rank him. We haven't ranked really low. I don't really see a reason to move up because I just don't really see the, I don't really see the ceiling and I, I need to have that. What if, what if Dotson is the, is the hard man of the class, like the bad wide receiver who gets drafted by the good offense? Oh gosh, don't that do that. Doesn't always work out. that choice. Yeah. I mean, as you see with Harbin, it doesn't really always work out, but it, it would be something right where that would happen. And we'd be like, Oh, like, now we're going to move him up, you know, in the ranks. And uh, yeah, I'd like to avoid that. I'd like to avoid that mistake. Davis, how do you view him? Like, is he actually a deep threat? Or is he just kind of like a, a small traditional wide receiver. I mean, he he was like really good at Penn State. Um, like was there was really their only guy in like games against like Wisconsin, really good defense, Auburn, really good defense. I mean, he had 11 for 127 against Ohio State. Like, you know, but it's just it's like it's it's kind of I'm just like uh, you know, what do you do here, right? With with Dotson, it's like, well, you know, he you you normally expect guys like this to be really good kicker and punt returners in college. And he was fine. He had one return for a touchdown, but not a ton of special teams production. And he, look, if we're, if we're crushing guys for being small, I mean, he's Wandale size. He's, he's two inches taller than Wandale, but same weight. And at a four-year prospect, he is going to be, he's going to be 22, his rookie season. Like, I, I just don't see a ton to get excited about here, particularly because anytime I'm going to be on board in any draft, George Pickens is also going to be available when Dotson is available. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I would just, I, I will be running to smash the button on Pickens. Freeman, where are you at on, on Dotson? Yeah, I think the comp for him uh, in my brain, even if the numbers don't go there, is like a smaller, slower, less, less peripherally productive Percy Harvin and older you know so like hmm. i think people want to talk about him as if all, all of that <laughs> sounds horrible that. When, when you phrase it that way but i think i think people talk about him as if he's like this electric playmaker right as if he has like this instant ability to kind of like fit this this niche role within an offense where you just get him the ball and then let him make plays and i don't know if he actually has that ability although i mean to davis's point he was really good at Penn State the past two years as a receiver, but I don't think he has the peripheral production that normally accompanies that type of electric playmaking skill set that people are talking about with him. That makes sense. All right, Freeman, kick us off on Pickens because I'm with Davis. I think he's pretty exciting, and uh, he's the next guy on the list with an expected draft position of 43.5. Yeah, you know, Pickens, it's interesting because I feel like there was a lot of hype with him entering college. He had a a good recruitment profile, good athleticism, had a really nice freshman year. And then after that, there was just sort of like this decline, whether that's, you know, sort of real or perceived, but, you know, had injury issues. Uh, I think wasn't quite as good his sophomore year as he was his freshman year. But I mean, hey, he did have that first year breakout, which like that counts for a decent amount. So I think he's got sufficient athleticism. I, I'm with Davis in that I see him as a upside player. 
but I'm also a little bit skeptical in that I just I kind of don't like going with guys who seemingly got worse in college as they got older. But the, the first year breakout in the athleticism, those are uh, pretty significant marks in his favor. And another tall, skinny guy, Miko. I, I feel like how you feel about Pickens, you know, has a little bit to do with like, have you played long enough to draft Justin Hunter? <laughs> yeah. So he might scare you a little. Yeah. No, it's definitely true. Um, you know, I mean, his first two seasons really looked very uh. similar in terms of the the overall production, you know, from a team level, from an individual level. Um, and, and like the, the, the spring ACL tear just absolutely murders everything because it's like we wanted to see what he would have done this season. And that would have probably given us. I mean, it's not like Georgia is going to throw the ball over the yard, but like you want to see you want to see what a guy like that does in his final year. And the team, you know, obviously admits that when he came back, he wasn't being used fully. He only had five catches in four games. I think that's to be expected. Like you basically throw this year out. And so I, I think that what we're left with is a guy who just has like the widest range of outcomes in the class. Like if he ends up being a dude, it wouldn't shock me, right? Like he has, like Friedman said, he has the recruitment profile. He was productive, young and early. That's really good. Um, but did he maybe decline a little bit? Is he the same guy after the injury? Like these are legitimate questions that we have to ask. Like is it the right body type? So like, you know, we could be talking about this guy in a year. Like we're talking about Terrace Marshall where it's like, Oh, like he did not, he did nothing this year. Yeah. What do I do? Which he kind of looks like Terrace Marshall a little yeah. bit. Uh... Nah, dude, you guys, you guys are going to regret these <laughs> takes. You're not, you're going to, you're going to want these takes freaking from the record. <laughs> Tell us why. Dude. Cause he is, I mean, he is prototypically stuff that we look at, right? Super early breakout, you know, did it in the SEC, did it when he wasn't playing with, you know, skilled teammates. And I mean, I, I, I do think one thing is that the COVID shortened and disrupted seasons messed with a lot of these guys' profiles. That's why, like we were just talking about, well, Dotson was a four-year player. It's like, well, or, or and, and Alave was a four-year player. Like, I don't know, maybe they hated you know, not playing in front of fans and like their quarterback randomly missing games and not having full, pre- like I, I can totally see the, the impacts of like how COVID dealt with college seasons. Like these USC guys, if you went to USC the last two years, you played 12 games. It's like some of these, it's just, it was so weird for so many of these guys. So I, I am. And of course, because I like Pickens, I'm writing off that he wasn't very good as a sophomore right now. If I didn't like him, I'd be like, he didn't do shit as a sophomore or so. But I mean, it's just like one, I also think he's going to be a guy that when teams start meeting and doing everything, I think he's going to come off well, because like all the stuff uh, uh, that he was doing, he's an amazing run blocker. They're like, they're like all these cutups of him being a good run blocker, which you have to do if you go to Georgia. And he like got in disciplinary problems all the time because he was just like, there's this great clip of him finishing off a run block, like 15 yards down the field and just throwing this Alabama player to the ground. And I'm like, I, that gets me jacked up. Like I, I already <laughs> like Pickens and that makes me like him even more. I'm, I'm just all in like, and, and he said he was going to run fast. I love when guys do this. He tore his ACL and he said, I'm going to put up a good time. And people were like, like I, it was going around Twitter and they were like, well, he's going to run a four, four coming off a torn ACL. And then he did, which is pretty baller. The thing that I'll say is that, and I'm not sure how much of this. La- I thought last year the injury, the guys with the injury history, got killed in the draft. Like all these guys who had been hurt, yeah, went way lower than we were projecting them. And some of that might have been COVID because the medical records were harder to get, and meeting with players was harder to it was do. Was hard, yeah. But it's possible that 
this carries over. And then Pickens is a, is the kind of guy where, you know, he was hurt as a sophomore. Obviously he barely played this year. He's coming off an ACL. Like that's a guy where all of a sudden we could be, it could be day two of the draft and we're at like pick 63 and we're oh, like, why man. is George Pickens like still here? You know, he becomes the new Denzel Mims. Doesn't the four, four, seven help that though? I mean, less than a year removed from the ACL tear, that's sufficient speed. And like, there's a chance he's yeah. more of a four, three, nine guy or something. No, it definitely helps. It definitely helps. Definitely helps. I, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm, I like to think in like the full range of outcomes and I'm just trying, you know, Davis is yeah. obviously giving us the high end. So I'm just, I'm the <laughs> negative guy. I'm bad cop and you know, it's fine. Someone's got to do it. The, the next guy on the list here is, is kind of the classic guy that I feel like yeah. back at, at Rotoviz in 20, 2014 would have been like a, a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick. But this year, He's got expected draft position of 49.6. Christian Watson crushed the combine, 436-40, 38.5-inch vertical, 136-inch broad jump. It's kind of like one of those uh, Charles Johnson, Jeff Janis pro day workouts that we had. But it actually came at the combine. This is Aaron Millette, dude, you know. But the difference is, the difference is he went to the senior bowl and was the best wide receiver there. And all the all the coaches that were there, all the scouts, they're like, oh, this guy's amazing. He's so good in practice. Like, I'm sure, you know, they they talked to the coach. I don't know, what was it, the Jaguars and the Lions were the coaching staffs, I think. But, yeah, like he yeah, – and, and just what you need with a small school guy like this that we all used to kind of get wrong and that we learned over time was that it doesn't matter if um, – Oh, there was some UNLV wide receiver. I was going for the name, but I forgot. But it, it it doesn't matter if if they look really good in all of our spreadsheets. If the NFL decision makers don't care, but it it looks pretty like I feel pretty confident in saying the NFL decision makers like this guy. And I think it like it would not surprise me if he went ahead of of Pickens or Dotson at this point because he crushed like he checked all the boxes. And also, I guess it does help that he went to. NDSU, which is like mm-hmm. the best school in his division and has tra- put a bunch of guys in the NFL, like that definitely helps. Freeman, where are you at on him? I like him a lot. And there are whispers. I'm skeptical, but there are whispers he actually goes in the first round. I just, I don't wow. see that happening, but I could see how it happens given the athletic profile, given the dearth of overall talent in this class and the neediness that a lot of teams have, especially near the end of the first round, the neediness a lot of teams have for wide receivers. So I could see him maybe artificially being pushed up a little bit, you know, and then he was, he was productive. Now, granted he is older. He's a a fifth year senior. So you don't love that. He had the red shirt and then didn't do anything as a freshman, but you know, from his sophomore season on, uh, he was the leading receiver on his team. Uh, you know, you like to see that he did have some uh, some production as a return man, had two kickoff returns uh, in his junior season. Like he's got some legit playmaking ability and like the the burn on him in the NFL, like it's pretty hot right now. Like people are talking about like, oh, did you do you see him as a run blocker? Like all of the things that that like big NFL likes, it seems like he checks a lot of those mm-hmm. boxes. So I I mean, I think he. he I think he will go pretty high in the second round, um, you know, and I think he's going to be someone who moves up my board because of that. I mean, I could take him above Pickens. Like, I I feel like I'm a little bit too low on him right now, to be honest. And I also feel like I'm I'm high on him at the same time. 
Amiko, you you uh, dug through all of the the social media accounts and got the age database set up for us over at Establish the Run. If anyone's looking for birthdays, you got all of them. So I'm not lost in you that he was born in in 1999, which makes me feel old that that is old. But how much does that worry you that he he's a pretty aged prospect? Uh, he's really good in his last season, but like you hope so. He's he's playing at a very small school as a fifth year senior. Yeah, I mean the. I, I will say that generally the guys that come from like the subdivision level, I'm not as worried about the age because it, it usually just takes that long for these guys to get on the map. Like, obviously I wish that he, it was if, like, I, I'd prefer four years, but I, and we can stretch it to five and say that that's fine. Like as long as he's really productive in all those years. And I think that that's like the hard part to really suss out because like, they're just not like a really heavy passing offense. Like this is a team that runs the ball like 60% of the time. And it's just like, brutalizing to go through the game logs, which I did. I spent like a whole Saturday morning, like going through every one of these game logs and trying to get the stats because I'm like, I need to see what the big deal is about Christian Watson. And it's just, you know, if he had scored a few more touchdowns in his fourth season, he would have broken out. Then he breaks out in his, in his final year uh, at a 30% dominator level. The, the rushing stuff is really good. Like the stuff you hear is really good. I'm just worried that like, this guy didn't just completely crush all the time. Like he kind of, he did in his last season, mm-hmm. but before that he really didn't. And I just, that's the only thing holding me back. And it's, it's easy to excuse from the standpoint that like, this is a powerhouse school. They win every year. Like they're, they're either winning or in the title every year in the FCS. And like, they just have a way of doing things. I would imagine that doesn't involve like making Christian Watson an NFL superstar. Like they're just trying to win games, which they do very well. So I'm probably going to move him up in the next update for ETR because I, I think that the the case for him is very compelling and his body type obviously presents upside. I'm just, I'm afraid to get hurt, I guess. Like I just, I don't want to be, I don't want to be overreacting to the, that, I don't want to be overreacting there. to yeah. the old guy who crushes at the senior bowl who isn't Cooper right. Cup with like four years of my massive production. He's 6'4", 208. Uh, he has... 10 and an eighth inch hands, which player Andrews has written about being important. But I, I went through the same box score exercise that you did came out with 24% career yardage share. Not good. That's just straight up. Not good. Like that would be a bit of a red flag. If he was a three-year player, he's a fifth year player. Uh, that I think is a, a major red flag. On the other hand, 15.6 career a dot, no doubt about how he's going to be used. He's a deep threat. He's a big body, deep threat. At 11.9 career yards per target. It's a little Terry McLaurin-esque to me, where like there's nothing to like analytically except that he's got good size, he's got speed, he's got a clear NFL role, and he's going to get draft position. Is that a fair kind of comp? Obviously, it's an upside comp. That's how I feel. That's exactly how I feel. All right. We'll probably end up... I'm not going to miss out on him. I'm going to have some, but I I don't think I'm going to be chasing a ton. All right. Let's move to the guy that I'm going to have more than some of. Sky Moore, who has a 51.3 expected draft position. Amiko, I'll start with you because I feel like this guy, I mean, he checks all the boxes and then he checks them in in big ways. Like there's really, honestly, like when I went through and tried to find the red flags, I think the only red flag is that it was in a non-Power 5 uh, team. And, you know, that's a little bit of a concern. You don't see a ton of like really successful guys uh, coming out of those schools. But you also don't really see a ton of those guys like getting drafted that are three-year players. Most of the guys uh, come out as four-year players, so he's in a very like small group 
of players um, in that sense. But otherwise, like literally everything that we want, Sky Moore has. Yeah, I mean, even Corey Davis came back for a fourth season, and he was prolific at, at uh, Western Michigan. So, yeah, I mean, we love Sky Moore, right? I mean, he has massive hands. He's 195 in a smaller frame. Had a really good workout. Like, even some of the guys that – even some of the, the film guys who maybe weren't as high on Sky Moore came away from the combine saying, you know, this guy looks like a professional receiver. He, he has the demeanor. He, you know, he has the toughness. He, he makes plays. So that's really good in terms of just like, I feel like he is just like a rock solid round two pick at this point. And that's really important. Uh, you mentioned the production. It's really good. Uh, you know, three-year player with a breakout, he produced right away. Um, I think that a guy like Sky Moore in the past, again, like if he doesn't get that draft capital, we're worried, but because it's going to be there, I, I feel really good about being there. Um, you know, I think he's going to be, probably a pretty good player and like the sneaky um the sneaky target competition that he had was was d eskridge who was who was a much older player who obviously was in better position to, to right. catch the ball fifth year at the yeah. time so fifth year to a sophomore. i think that that is very good and he's a receiver yeah. who wears 24 so you know i mean you, you can ask hardest after this like he's that's i mean he's, he means he's a baller i mean that's just we know this yeah davis are you in on him i mean how could you not how could you how could you not be in on on a guy named Sky Moore, two wise, who was productive with another NFL player on his roster, D. Eskridge. Uh, again, due to COVID stuff, only got to play five games in 2020, but was, you know, a, a relative breakout there. 388 yards, three touchdowns in five games, you know, got on the field at at 19, crushed the combine. I mean, and and also another guy that got lots of praise from uh you know just from coaches scouts and everything like that like you gotta you gotta read the tea leaves with that you need you need um you know your your dan orlovsky types to be in on him and it, it seems like they are which is is pretty good for his eventual status in in the nfl i think so and and i think he could also be like a surprising guy who goes higher than expected you know mm. you could see him call it at like 45 or something because because i think so many wide receivers are going to go at such a position of need as all these teams around the nfl are transitioning to three wide receivers as their base set and so many so many teams are i mean there are so many teams that desperately need a wide receiver it's like unbelievable freeman to your point about laquan treadwell earlier kind of like you know a guy at least sticking in the league i, I feel like that's you know sky more to an extent where like even in his like worst case scenario he's probably richard higgins and like has like a you know, like he, he sticks around for five or six years in a non-fantasy relevant way. Or he, maybe like a Christian Kirk who like doesn't quite get there, but still a very useful NFL player. But then I also think he has a ceiling. Do you do you view him the same way as like a high high floor, but also high ceiling type of player? Yeah, I, I do view him that way. Uh, I was a little more skeptical about that perspective before the combine. But, you know, when you saw the athletic profile attached to the college production, yeah, I think that gives him a pretty significant ceiling. The one thing that is a little bit of a, a drawback, and I feel like I've mentioned this uh, you know, with Jahan Dawson, he doesn't have the peripheral stats that normally accompany someone like of his size, right? Like normally we'll see a guy get more usage as a ball carrier, uh, more usage as a return man. Like we just didn't see that with Sky Moore. And you know, maybe there's an explanation there. Maybe they just thought, okay, this guy's our number one receiver we use him in that way and we don't 
we don't worry about getting him involved in other ways. Maybe the offense he was in wasn't all that inventive, but the production, especially as a receiver, the production is there. The uh, <laughs> the athletic profile is there. I I think that there's a pretty significant tier between the first five guys that we talked about and everyone else after that. But right now, Sky Moore for me is number six. And I think there's a pretty decent tier between him and some of the other guys that we've talked about to this point after that top five. Sky Moore's the type of guy where like I thought I was gonna just be able to like sit back and take him in the second round of rookie drafts. But like if I have to go get him ahead of Olave, because that's the way the, the ADP works out, like I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna do it. Cause I, I feel like he's he's got like I said, a really high ceiling. I mean, Stefan Diggs is kind of the like super, super upside comp where you know, he's kind of a guy who's probably going to play some in the slot, but he can play on the outside. And to your point, Freeman, about the peripherals, one thing I do like about him is that he was really strong after the catch in college. In all three of his seasons, he averaged over one yards per yards after catch per route. And the only guys to do that in the PFF database in all three of their underclassmen seasons are CeeDee Lamb, T. Higgins, Jalen Waddle, Rashad Bateman, Rondell Moore, and Anthony Swartz. It's pretty pretty nice when a guy's like whole thing is that he gets open and he's a good route runner, but he's also awesome after the catch that, that feels like uh that feels like upside to me. And it, in some ways I feel like more like modern upside, like is Davis talking about teams transitioning to a different style of football, like peep, like PPR smash upside, I think. Yeah. I love that idea as, as PPR monster. Like you could see it, you could see how he becomes sort of like a Deontay Johnson type mm. where he just gets massive target volume. All right. All right. I'm I'm uh, I'm even more excited about Sky more than I was, but let's move to Alec Pierce, who I think is a kind of another like just bet on athleticism type of guy. Really had a strong combine, and that seems to have really increased his uh his uh draft stock because he's now up to 53.9. Uh I don't know, he doesn't really have much production, and that makes me skeptical that it'll actually be a second round pick, but he seems pretty locked into a day two pick after running a four four one forty at 6'3", 211, and having a 40-and-a-half-inch vertical and 129-inch broad jump, hyper-efficient, down-the-field type of player, 16.8 ADOT and 11.1 yards per target over his career. So, again, kind of like Christian Watson, I think, where there's no doubt about how he's going to be used. Freeman, are, are you interested in him? Uh, Not really. Like, this is the one guy I'm going to sort of, like, talk skeptically about. I think he's got the athletic profile, but he didn't have a lot of college production to go along with it. There are other guys that we might, you know, kind of mention in bullet point fashion later, Justin Ross, David Bell. There are other guys I would rather have ahead of Alec Pierce. Like I just like every class has some guys who are athletic, but don't really do much in the NFL. I feel like this is, this is one of the guys for this class. That makes sense. Davis, where are you at? I imagine that this will probably be a guy who ends up on a fair few number of my teams. Cause even, even if he gets drafted in the third round, I don't think people are going to muster up that much enthusiasm for him. Cause mm-hmm. this is kind of the range where everyone starts to pick their favorites. Right. So, you know, someone might really like Justin Ross. Someone might really love whoever the tight end three in this class is. Someone might really like uh, Pierre strong. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, the Nevada quarterback Carson Carson Strong. You know, maybe he gets drafted by the Steelers, like or so, just something. You know, this is just kind of that range of rookie drafts where you kind of start to just take the guys you like. And this feels like a, a pretty 
I mean, maybe not even a good bet, but just the type of bet I like to make, which is like, you know, non-super elite tradition, non-powerhouse college guy who got on the field a little bit later, but just crushes the combine. And uh, I mean, four four one at six three two eleven is is pretty. I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, it is pretty good. I mean, he basically does like nothing, like nothing. in terms of the the analytical yeah. boxes. But but how do you handle him if he gets second round draft capital? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you're putting the spreadsheet together and uh, then you look at the expected draft position. And you're like, oh, really? Like, yeah, you know, Pierce was a high level volleyball player in high school. Oh, we love to see uh, it. So, you know, a long, a long history <laughs> of, of athleticism. I mean, I basically just feel I feel similar to him as I did like Nico Collins last year. And I took, like, Nico, okay, like, I took I took I took a lot of Nico part, Collins yeah. when he was around. Yeah. yeah. Like he looks the part, but where's the production? But, you know, if he gets the draft capital, there's a chance that, you know, maybe at the NFL level, he figures it out, which I think we probably say too often to, you know, compare it to how much it happens. But to Davis's point, like he's maybe a, the kind of guy that falls in these rookie drafts and uh, you end up with, you know, you end up with a piece of a guy who's a day two pick and, and has a good athletic profile. Like there's worse things. He's not as big, but could he be like a Donovan Peoples-Jones type? Yeah, I could see that. No. <laughs> Oh well, no, he's not young enough. No. He's not. DPJ was like the youngest guy in his class, right? Yeah, like, so that's yeah. not really gonna happen. Yeah, not young enough, and wasn't a five-star recruit entering college. You know, mm -hmm. like he he's playing at Cincinnati, and he's not breaking out until I, I guess you could say he broke out as a sophomore. But the dude caught fewer passes than Josiah Deguara as a sophomore. Like I'm not really counting that as an actual breakout season. He caught two touchdowns that year. Like I'm I'm very skeptical about him. He does. He does feel exactly like Nico Collins, though, in a way like I, I can't see that. Mm. Like he's going to have, I think, day two draft capital and he's got that great athletic profile. I just don't I wasn't excited about Nico Collins last year either. I just kind of don't see the reason to be excited about a guy who doesn't have production. All right. So that wraps up the guys who are top 10 in expected draft position and kind of wraps up the, the tier, at least on grinding the mocks uh, of guys that have like a really strong chance at going round two. But let's talk about David Bell, who I think before the combine had a very strong chance of going around two. Now his draft position in the mocks is down to 79.9, which like, does that mean he's got a chance of falling out of day two? That didn't seem likely at all pre-combine, but he had a pretty rough day at the combine. Amico, how does he rate for you? Like, how are you trying to factor in the fact that he had a 4.6540 and now his draft position is uh, is much more uncertain, but he does a lot that we like analytically. I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys are going to like this answer, but I'm not, I'm not worried about the 40. Um, I don't think that, I don't think it's reflective of how he wins as a receiver. Like he's a guy who's going to be in the slot. He's going to make plays underneath. Um, the, the, the 40 only matters in as much as like how far teams are going to slide him back. And I think that that's a spot where maybe the mocks will overreact versus how NFL teams will react. Because if you like David Bell, you're not going into the draft saying like, or the combine saying we want him to be in the four fours. Like, I mean, if he is like, sure. Like, you know, like wheels up, but it's not, it's not a situation that you're expecting. Um, you know, analytically, this is a guy that flat out is productive, gets the job done on the field. We know that teams care about this. Um, knows how to get open. Looks exactly like, you know, some top PPR wide receivers that we've seen over the years, Devonte Adams, Keenan Allen, Robert Woods, like these are the kind of guys that David Bell comps to, and I, I maybe I, the Adams thing I know always brings up like a, a point of contention. I, I took Adams out of my 
what do you think of Jarvis Landry and Juju Smith-Schuster as, as comps? Probably, I mean, if, if, if those are legit comps, that's going to be a win based on where he goes in rookie drafts. I mean, we have him, like, in the top six, though, at, at receiver. Like, I feel really good about that. Like, Well, that's absurd. But, <laughs> I mean, he ran a 4.65. Like, it's not good, but it, it could still be fine. Like, I yeah. will be buying... I will be buying David Bell slightly above what I expect the cost to be, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take him ahead of George Pickens. Yeah, I'm like a little worried he's Muhammad Sanu. Is that is that a fair worry? Well, the Patriots need a wide receiver, so <laughs> <laughs> I like Bell. I, I'm with Amico. I, I think uh the, the profile I'm not I don't have a number six. I mean, I'm with Davis on that. I think that's ridiculous. But the analysis of I'm not worried about the 40 time, I'm not worried about that at all. Uh, I think a lot of the things that he has going for him uh, outweigh the 40 time. You know, guys who are big like that, who have the sustained college production, I don't think 40 time matters. Do the jumps matter to you at all? Because, like, you know, uh, Allen Robinson had a 4 6 40, but then he just crushed his jumps. Really high vertical. I don't have it in front of me. I was around like. 40 inch vertical or 38 inch vertical or something. So uh, he was also underwhelming in the jumps. Maybe he'll do uh, another round of those at his pro day and improve his numbers, but he's not going to be off the charts. Yeah. I think that there's like a biomechanical aspect to how some of these combine numbers came out where like the forties were all really low and then they're doing the jumps and the agilities sometimes. And it's always like after all this stuff, like at the end of the day, and I just feel like your legs aren't as juiced. I mean, that's why that's why a bunch of the guys didn't do the agility drills, and that's why a bunch of the wide receivers didn't do the bench, too. Yeah. Yeah. So I just yeah, they, I don't know. They should not have had that the same day. My apologies to Allen Robinson, actually, who had a 42 inch vertical and 131 inch broad jump. So like if David Bell had that kind of jump profile with a four, yeah. I mean, I would be okay with that in a four seven forty, I think, rather than underwhelming jumps in a four six forty. Just athletically, like it's you know, what is he actually going to do at a really above average level at it? But again, I mean, like Keenan Allen, Jarvis Landry, like these types of yes, dudes, sir. they're also below average. At, at Calvin Ridley's a below average NFL athlete. Cooper Cup's a, a below average NFL just, athlete. Just, so you can get like there. My, but... Just like my Odell Beckham take eventually came around to being correct, my Calvin Ridley take eventually came around to being correct as well. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you could take a victory lap on that one, Davis. <laughs> I, I will also note that David Bell, in a small sample of games, outproduced Rondell Moore yes. when they played together. Yeah. So. Right. That was why I was so that like pre combine. Crane and I potted like three weeks ago, and I was like, David Bell, like if this guy, like I'm going to, I want to be mm -hmm. all over this guy. And I thought he would do fine at the, I mean, I didn't have any reason to think he would be, uh, you know, bad. And then um, the, you know the guy who does the RAS scores or whatever. It's like yeah. it's like his Math page. Mom. His page was just all red, just red, just red everywhere. And I was like, it's not great. <laughs> maybe he's tired. Maybe he had a bad night's sleep the night before. Yeah, maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll do everything in his pro day. I don't know, but he he was efficient as a junior. He had two point seven yards per route run. He seems like he's got the ability to earn targets at various depths. He crushes the production metric. So I think I'm pretty in. Um, I don't know if I'm obvious in as Amico, but I think well, I'd have him. Well, I don't well, think I'll have him that. too far behind uh, wide receiver six. I think I, I think I'll have him top, you know, top eight or so. But okay, let's move on to Justin Ross. He's a guy that it's actually kind of similar to Pickens, where his freshman year is the reason we're excited, 
and just off the charts in yards per hour and 4.98 yards per route run as a freshman, which is like wildly, wildly good, but it never really got back there. He had a Freeman. Do you have the context on like what happened with his career? Didn't he have like a spinal surgery, uh, not medically cleared to play until 2021. So he's a four-year player. He missed that year. And then I think he suffered a broken foot. So just injury history issues all over the place. And, you know, does that, does that worry you from a, an NFL draft position perspective? It doesn't worry me so much because, you know, like injuries are so hard to quantify. It doesn't seem as if these are things that are going to linger. He was able to return his senior year after the, the neck, uh, the neck back issue uh, and, and play the issue that he had his senior year had to do with a stress fracture in his foot. And, you know, like, honestly, once that happened, he probably should have just been shelved for the rest of the year, but he wanted to keep on playing. So I'm not holding really much of his senior year against him. His junior year obviously was washed out. So I'm just evaluating him basically on what he did in his first two years in college. And that was awesome. So uh, if he has the draft capital, uh, he's got the recruitment pedigree to go along with it. He's got the college production. He's someone I hope to be able to buy low. Davis, are you like worried at all that the, uh, those initial years they came with Trevor Lawrence at quarterback, like is he a product of that or or you think he was helping drive that offense? What if it was just all T. Higgins? <laughs> like, yeah, dude. It's like astronaut at like the astronaut meme. Like it was all T. Higgins, always was. Like I, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm joking a little bit. Like you know, I, I mean, I, I think a reasonable person could say maybe uh, – Trevor Lawrence was surrounded by all these incredible skill position players and they all made him look a little bit better than he was given how poor he played as a rookie for the Jaguars. Although the, the, um, the film bros disagree. The film bros all say he's fine and that it, it's, it'll all work itself out. I, these are also bets I like to make by the way, though. So like small school guy who doesn't really produce, but is crazy athletic and big school guy who just has the pedigree and produces off and on. Those are like two bets I really like to make uh, in in these later rounds. Like those are those are two um, textures of guys I really like to draft. You know, it, but the the medical stuff is a good question because medicals just killed guys last year, and maybe it won't as much this year since teams can actually have the guys in their building and and stuff like that. I I will probably just let the market decide on Ross. Though. Like I definitely like Bell better than him, and this is also a, a part of rookie drafts where I start to take shots on tight ends and, um, you know, like your, your Carson strong types as well. That makes sense. Amiko, where are you at on him? I feel like this is like arbitrage George Pickens where Ross could end up actually being better. Like I, you know, hmm. that freshman season was just so amazing and we just haven't gotten to see much. Like it, it sounds like a lot of the same story and it, I, yeah, I don't even disagree with that, really. The guy that I that I can't help but think of is Mike Williams just because he had, like, a similar issue with, like, the mm -hmm. back and the spine and missed a year um, and had to come back and ended up being a four-year player because of it. Now, Mike Williams went in the first round, so that's that's not going to happen here. But, you know, if Ross ends up being a solid day-two pick, um, and, you know, I mean, I don't know if you guys know this, but the Jaguars are looking for a receiver. Like, he could end up right back with, with Trevor Lawrence. They do like to, yeah. They drafted ETN. Just get the whole the whole the gang whole band, together. You know? Amari, Amari Rogers can probably be had for a seventh round pick. <laughs> you know. So I just I, I don't know. Like I I feel like the ceiling on him is really high. And, and like Friedman said, like we just haven't really gotten to see much since then. Where you at on uh, Jalen Tolbert, who is uh, another older guy, but really I guess the first guy that we've talked about 
uh, so far, Amico, that's actually like hyper productive for a you know four plus year player. I believe he's a fifth year senior, right? Yeah, I, this is this is a guy that I'm just not not really sure what to do with because he was productive, but the production didn't come early. So usually that's a red flag for me. And he went to a small school, and he didn't stand out necessarily at the senior bowl. So there's a little bit of evidence that maybe like when the competition gets tougher, that Tolbert is mm-hmm. not necessarily like a dude that stands out. Yeah. So I'm not really super high on him. He kind of strikes me as similar to Tylen Wallace in a sense of like he he has like some of the Cortland Sutton stuff, but at like 20 pounds lighter, uh, which is obviously yeah. not ideal. Friedman or, or Davis, are either of you guys into him at all? I don't have much to say about him. Yeah, I don't have a I don't have a strong opinion on on like generally speaking, there'll be a guy like when we well once these guys get drafted, I will I will develop yeah. some strong opinions based on on landing spot and stuff like that. I'm I'm very interested to see where our our next guy goes, John Mechie, considering he also injured his knee and also went to Alabama. Well, let's talk about Mechie because he's I've just not been able to muster much enthusiasm for Mechie. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got the same issue with the ACL tear as with Williams, but his profile is just not nearly as good. But, you know, he was kind of like, he's like the last guy of the Alabama class who's just like completely buried. And then like he's supposed to get his time and then Williams comes in and, and has the giant season. So I don't know, Davis, are you actually excited about Mechie? You know, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would necessarily say excited, especially because he basically was overshadowed every year he was there by someone, right? Oh, you know, barely played as a freshman. He got out for a couple games. 2020 was, of course, uh, you know, Devonta Smith Heisman season. Though, you know, Mechie, uh, I, I mean, he he was second on the team in receptions. Waddle only played six games. I mean, whatever. And then he was he was good his final season at Alabama. You know, 1,200 yards and and um, nine touchdowns and. I, I guess maybe if Slade Bolden is drafted by someone in the fourth round or something, maybe that'll, I don't know. It's, it, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like the Patriots want him. Cause he's, you know, he's just, he's just the Patriots guy. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't have anything interesting to say about him really. Cause he just seems like a, a, a very assembly line Alabama, kind of like the Ohio state guys where it's like, you just have no idea how to evaluate them. Cause they play approximately one and a half competitive games per year. That's kind of how you. That's kind of how you feel about the secondary Bama guys. Like, where if you're not the lead Bama guy and you don't run a four three eight, then I don't know. You know, I'm gonna be probably too optimistic on on Mechie, uh, and and some of that is just you know the the Alabama thing. But I don't hold his freshman season against him at all. He had Jerry Judy, Devonte Smith, Henry Ruggs, and Jalen Waddle ahead of him on the depth chart. Like he had four future first rounders ahead of him on the depth chart. So the the rookie or the freshman season, that's just a wash. Um, but what yeah, I, but I what he did that. after that in 2020, that was pretty decent. You know, like in his his first year of real action, he had 900 yards in 13 games. You know, he was the number two receiver on that team behind Devontae Smith. Like that's pretty decent. And he was projected you know, before Jamison Williams came, he was projected to be a first rounder. Like a year ago, people were talking about him as a future first rounder. He does have the the uh, high school pedigree to go along with it as like a four and a half star 
guy. I mean, I didn't, I don't think he was that bad last year. Yeah, he wasn't Jamison Williams, but I thought he actually still had a pretty decent season last year. And I think he's got the speed, the ACL, like the knee injury that is going to set back his draft stock. But I am going to be interested in him. What kind of guy is he? Because he he wasn't like really used super downfield, right? And he, a, a great he a, question. What what are he had you? a lot of scheme production. Twenty yeah. percent uh, of his yardage came on screen passes. He was great at that. Three point six yards per route run on screen passes. So it's not necessarily a knock, but just like stylistically, if he's not actually he had a career eight out of ten point one. So he wasn't a deep threat, but he's supposed to be kind of fast. He's not that big. Yeah, I feel like that means that he was playing the Jalen Waddle role this season. You mm-hmm. know, like that's yeah. what he did. Like a, a fast guy who actually isn't being productive down the field, but underneath and then using his speed to make plays after the catch. And I'm kind of excited just because I feel like these, like you guys are saying, like the Alabama guys who aren't the one, it's kind of like the secret box. Like what's in the box? And <laughs> usually the sticker price to find yeah. out what's in the box is like kind of high. But because he had the ACL tear, because he's like a day two guy and not a first round guy, he's not really going to be that expensive. So like for the price, I, I feel like you're getting someone who has a really high pedigree, is probably a good athlete and, um, you know, went to one of the best schools in the country and, and com- competed and produced while playing with other really good players. So I'm, I'm you know, cautiously optimistic here as well. Nice. All right. Let's close out with. Actually, I have one other guy after this, but but Romeo Dubes, Amico, you had you had asked to talk about. I don't know very much about him. What what strikes uh, you about him? Well, I just think that like he's what people want Jalen Tolbert to be. Like he is an older player, mm-hmm. like he's a four year prospect, but he was productive early. Um, some production as a freshman, but like immediately as a sophomore, uh, productive, breaking out, thirty one percent dominator. Did that each of his last three seasons. Uh, it did stand out a little bit more at the Senior Bowl. So Dubes is someone that like I'm feeling a little better about long-term uh, being able to come in and earn a role at the NFL level. Um, it, you know, could he turn out to be like, I don't know, Taji Sharp or something like someone who ends up like not really doing much. Absolutely. And the NFL is telling us that because his draft stock, you know, projected is not, uh, you know, super high, obviously, but like, there's it, there's enough there for me yeah. to think about him as you know potentially being someone who has uh, fantasy value. He didn't work out at the combine, right? Uh yeah, no, he was there, but he didn't uh, he didn't do anything. Do you guys have any thoughts on him? Yeah, I like the idea of comparing him to uh, Jalen Tolbert because I I kind of do see that. I think they're both in that same class of type of wide receiver, um, but I do think Tolbert will have as Amico mentioned, you know, higher draft capital, and that will probably be the difference in their NFL fates. I, I think it's Dobbs. I don't know. Maybe it's Dubes. Either either way, it, it it's it's going to be it, – He's. I feel like he's going to be like – there's a reason we don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm just going to say that. Like, Because he ran a 4.7? Yeah, I mean, like we're, we're going to be – forgetting that he even existed a year from now like that's that's my prediction like he's a guy at this time of year who sounds interesting and we look yeah. at the numbers and are like yeah maybe but a year from now i'm like who is that oh yeah, i think i yeah. kind of remember him yeah the james prochet type where you're like oh yeah i remember that name yeah he's i mean he's he'll go he'll go in the the xfl startup draft you know a year from now basically 
All right, so I think that's uh, a signal that we are we are time it's time to wrap up the pod. But before we do, I wanted to bring up Wandale Robinson, who uh, we were excited about, and you mentioned early on in the in the podcast, Davis. Are you just completely out now that you know he's like five seven? No, because buddy, now he's gonna be free. Oh wow! All right, he's gonna go. He, he's gonna go. He's gonna go in the fourth <laughs> round of the NFL draft to the Steelers to replace Ray Ray McLeod. Yeah, or you know, something what if he replaces like Isaiah McKenzie and. Do you remember, do you, uh, buddy, do you remember <laughs> when, do you remember when we all loved Lynn, Lynn Bowden? Yes. And you could just, t- you could just take him in the third or fourth round of any rookie draft. I mean, that's what I'm doing here. Uh, yeah. I would, I would yeah. love to Some see of us still love them, actual shots, but... that out there. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just going to be, cause, because before I would have had to have, of you know, fought with people who didn't even, who didn't even really like him. They'd just be following ADP. And now it just, does, like, I'll just be able to take him in every draft, I think. Yeah, I like that. Are you guys in on him as that like third round pick? Yeah. I mean, what's the expectation? <laughs> like, I'm getting like Rondale, but good. No, Rondale, but unathletic though. Like that's the thing. Like he's not. He didn't. Test. You gotta watch. You gotta watch him play, bro. If you watch, no, the I've game, watched. You'll know. I've watched. Could... I've watched. He's exciting. He's exciting on the field. But yeah. I'm just saying, like, he didn't. He didn't test that way. Like he's the converted. Rece- he's the converted running back to receiver. Like. I just feel like this guy is probably more Dexter McCluster than he is Rondell Moore. Mm-hmm. And that's Dexter McCluster. If he was in the NFL now would work out. <laughs> I'm, I'm, maybe. Cool. I mean, maybe the I NFL, the, N- the NFL, the NFL was not ready. Okay. For Dexter I, I have a comp. I'm not really even sure I like it, but if Wondell Robinson works out, I think it is uh, very much in a Wes Welker type of way. Like Welker was a running back his first two years in college and then converted to wide receiver. And I think it'll be just like, okay, this guy has this playmaking yet sort of limited skill set, and we can use him in this particular way, uh, you know, similar size to Welker. But I think like if he is productive, that is the way he does it. I don't think it's like... I didn't even remember that about Welker. Yeah, I I don't think it's like this guy's got an electrifying skill set uh, and that's why we we see all the rushing production, and it speaks to overall talent. Like I don't think it's that. I think he's actually fairly limited. All right, I think that'll do it. Uh, Freeman, what do you got uh, going over at Fantasy Pros that the people need to know about? It's a great question. We've got uh, at Betting Pros, we got March Madness coming up, and then we will have a rookie draft kit uh, with Dynasty stuff in there. So Dynasty rookie draft kit coming out, I believe early April, and then we will revamp it uh, after the draft. So keep an eye out for that. Davis? You can listen to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast, the Take Cast. I'm on TV every day, Sports Grid, from uh, uh, 11 Central to noon Central. Uh, that You can convert that to your own time zone. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, if you, if you search my name on any podcasting platform, you'll find all that. Awesome, Amika. We have all the dynasty and rookie content at Establish the Run. Um, you know, we're updating the dynasty rankings pretty regularly. We did it twice this week because the NFL went insane with all the trades and everything. Um, we have rookie profiles coming out with a lot of really good info. So I just keep checking out all that stuff. Awesome. I'll have an article on uh, the site, NBC Sports Edge, on the wide receiver class out tomorrow. We're going to have a special Wednesday podcast next week to cover the free agency madness. So definitely look out for that. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you soon. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. 
the longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.